essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. My name is Sean, I'm your host, coming to you from London, Ontario, Canada. I appreciate you tuning in every week, whether you're getting us on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Podcasts. You can always find us also on our Facebook page at Scumbags Wrestling and Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. You can send us a message on Twitter at Scumbags Canada. Either way, we'd love your input, and we'd love to have you a part of the show. On this week's episode, we review the upcoming event, Control-Alt-Delete by Smash Wrestling, and also their upcoming calendar of events. Then, we take a trip through the wrestling world news and review everything that happened this week in WWE TV. Thanks for joining me. I'll be right back after these very short messages. Want to be a wrestler? The time is now to join the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory. The first class is going to graduate in October, and it's going to leave a lot of open space. Learn from one of Canada's best wrestlers and trainers around. Tyson has been wrestling since 1997 and has wrestled for Blood, Sweat, and Years, Border City Wrestling, Ring of Honor, Impact Wrestling, WWE, was part of the first Cruiserweight Classic, and one of the longest reigning champions for Smash Wrestling. Tyson just recently spent a week in Florida as a guest trainer at the WWE Performance Center. The Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory is located at 309 Exeter Road in London, Ontario and is open every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday evening from 6 p.m. to 8.30. Find out why Tyson is one of the pillars of Smash Wrestling. The Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory teaching the new generation of hopefuls into superstars. Coming April 26th to the 28th at the Ramada Inn, London, Ontario, it's Shockstock. Shockstock is London, Ontario's premier annual horror and subculture con- convention. Each year we bring, for a few short days, the real deal in sleaze, horror, and exploitation with celebrities, events, and vendors who know what the fans want. No insane lineups, no curfews, no problem. Enjoy jam-packed vendor rooms, a full weekend-long film festival with awards and fully stocked bar and lounge with nighttime events on-site and more. Submit your film via Film Freeway at filmfreeway.com slash shockstock. Presented by London's own Sultans of Slime, 
Vagrancy Films, the Grimm Brothers Entertainment, in association with Fangora, Raven Banner, and of course, Bob's Ultimate Meats. Yo, this is Tarek. You're listening to Scumbags of Wrestling. Punch, kick, chop, done. Welcome everybody to this week's edition of the Smash Wrestling Report. Tonight, right here in London, Ontario, at the London Music Hall, December 2nd, is Control-Alt-Delete, a filming for the Fight Network. Right now, I'll run down the card that's expected tonight and give my predictions on what we could see. The pre-show is set to be the wildest yet, as six of the Russell Factory students will compete in a six-man scramble. You'll see Alec Realm, Chris Mitchells, Jordan James, Colt Bowman, Kyle Boone, and Joshua Pine making his Smash Wrestling debut. Kyle Boone was the victor in the last time that three of the students faced off against each other. Colt Bowman made a splash by proposing to his fiance that night. I think tonight will be another big night for him, and he'll win the six-man scramble. Another graduate from the Russell Factory is Jim Strider. He'll be in action as he takes on Cody Diener. This one could be an interesting fight, as you get the veteran Cody Diener taking on the young blood of Jim Strider. If the action that happened recently in Fort Erie is any indication, when the Russell Factory students sided with Aiden Prince, against Tyson Dukes, and all the other students are present. Could this spell difficulty for Cody Diener tonight? Both guys have been on this podcast in interview form, and I did enjoy my time talking to them. However, as I just mentioned, with the other students nearby and performing in the first match, there could be a difficult time for Diener and I'm going to go with Jim Strider in an upset. There'll be a triple threat match with Violet Lee, a Russell Factory graduate herself, taking on Mike Rollins and Jody Threat. Will Mike Rollins' conscience get involved again like he did when he took on Sebastian Suave and left the oven on? Will the conscience be more of a distraction to the ladies than it is to Mike Rollins himself? Who knows? We'll find out. But I'm going to go with... The rookie, Violet Lee, pulling out a win. This could be a big night for the members of the Russell Factory. Dylan Andrews will face his former sidekick, Puff, in a revenge match as Puff turned on Dylan Andrews the last time they were here in London. The tag team title match got a huge upgrade this week as Fight or Flight will make their London debut this Sunday and have a massive opportunity as they have been added to the tag team title match. So now, it'll be the Pillars, Brent Banks, and Tyson Dukes defending the tag team championships against Fight or Flight and Halal Beefcake, who are now a part of the Kevin Bennett experience. Depending on where this is put in the card, it could make for an interesting melee between all of the men, plus the chances of Kevin Bennett and maybe Tarek getting involved. I still think it's, though, too early for the Pillars to be dropping titles to anybody, but if they do drop them, it would be to Halal Beefcake, but I don't think that's happening tonight, and the Pillars will retain. Speaking of Kevin Bennett and Tarek, Kevin Bennett won the Rec Room Rumble in Toronto and is using this as the opportunity to challenge Tarek 
for the Smash Wrestling Championship. Ben has newfound confidence in himself since he hooked up with Halal Beefcake to reform the Kevin Bennett experience. He even dropped a diss rap earlier this weekend directed at the Pillars and their chances of retaining titles. heard kevin bennett is not lacking any confidence anymore now that he has hello beefcake covering his back will he be the one to end Tarek's short title reign or will his title reign last on beyond this tonight myself i'm going to go with Tarek retaining the title also tonight match number two in the best of five series for daniel garcia and sebastian suave will take place here in London at the London Music Hall. Due to getting the first victory at Challenge Accepted last weekend in Montreal, Sebastian Suave is up by one fall. Will the series be tied going into Toronto in two weeks, or will Sebastian Suave have a commanding lead of 2 nothing? Regardless of how this goes, I think we're going to be in for a huge treat because this might be the actual showstopper of the night and steal the show. Garcia has always come to impress everybody every time he shows up into the ring here in London, and tonight will be no different. However, I think if Suave has Kingdom by his side, you're going to see Suave up two falls to nothing, going into Toronto in two weeks for In Your Dreams. Then, it's your main event of the night. The first time ever, a keyboards match. One of the most violent matches in Smash Wrestling history is coming here tonight to London. And yes, fans, they are accepting keyboards. As long as you drop them off at the merch stand before the show starts, 
They can't guarantee you're going to get your keyboard back, but you can help contribute to all the violence that's going to happen tonight as Scotty O'Shea takes on his former protege, Kevin Blackwood. This feud has been going on for almost a year now, with Blackwood being on Scotty's side and being guided by Scotty until he finally stood up to O'Shea and had enough. One can only hope that Blackwood will bring some backup for himself, as you know that Anthony Gaines, Shane Saber, and Mark Wheeler, the other members of Killscreen, will be present and by their mentor's side. VIP tickets are all sold out, but general admission are still available. VIP ticket holders will get an in-ring photo with Tyson Dukes and Violet Lee during the intermission. Plus, they'll receive a ticket for an exclusive draw that will happen for VIP ticket holders only. And VIP ticket holders will get a one-month trial of Smash On Demand as a special holiday gift from Smash Wrestling. For everybody else that is in the building, you can still buy your raffle tickets, and they have some solid prizes up for the shows this month. The muscle has been banned from ringside, so there will be no more lemons up for grabs either. VIP ticket holders will be eligible for the extra draw and will get their ticket upon entering the doors. Up for grabs for the regular draws, there'll be a Smash Wrestling shirt, toque, and signed poster. A Smash Wrestling DVD, signed 8x10, and signed poster. Or, there's also a toy belt, Smash Wrestling logo pin, and signed poster. Whether you're a VIP member or if you're general admission, you can always buy your tickets to get involved with this draw. There's a lot of local London businesses who've also made this possible, including the Naked Monk Vape Shop, Classy Lassie Grooming, Print Studio, London Comic Con, B&K Collectibles, and Winks Eatery, who's sure to be the home of the after party when the show ends. And finally, just announced the other day, their next visit here to London will be on February 2nd, and tickets will go on sale at the intermission during tonight's show. I just realized that I missed my prediction for the O'Shea-Blackwood match, and as much as I would love to see Blackwood pull it out, Unless he has backup, I see Scotty O'Shea taking this victory. For all that, the next time Smash Wrestling comes to us live will be December 16th for Smash Wrestling Presents In Your Dreams at the Franklin Horner Community Center in Toronto. Jimmy Havoc will face PCO for the first time ever in a hardcore match. Mike Rollins faces Japanese legend Kikutaro, and due to breaking his leg, Marco Stunt will not be appearing, and Carter Mason will now face Jason Kincaid one-on-one. Jody Threat faces another member of Team Canada in Casey Spinelli. A four-way match featuring The Muscle, Puff, Holden Albright, and John Greed will happen due to their great outing at the Rec Room Rumble. Two Butchers and a Blade will face off against Killscreen in six-man tag action. The Pillars will also be in six-man tag action as Brent Banks, Tyson Dukes, and Tarek will face the Kevin Bennett experience of Kevin Bennett and Halal Beefcake. Plus, match number three of five for the Sebastian Suave-Daniel Garcia series will be at this event 
Will it be the final match in the series, or will somebody go up two falls to one? On December 16th, Smash Wrestling is proud to be part of something really cool and super humbled to have been included in this year's Stephen and Liam's Toy Drive. The fans have already met Stephen this fall, who despite his health issues, holds a pinfall victory over Tyson Dukes at an Impact Wrestling ring. He and his brother Liam have run a toy drive during the holiday season for the last five years, with donations going to Sick Kids Hospital. They're super excited to be accepting donations for Stephen and Liam on December 16th, so please, if you can, bring an unwrapped toy and help brighten the spirits of children at Sick Kids. Let's do some good. Then, on January 11th, Heavy is the Head, Smash Wrestling filming for the Fight Network, happening at the Taste of the Tannery in Kitchener, Ontario. You'll see the first ever Smash Wrestling champion, Matt Cross, as he's been signed to compete in Kitchener. You'll also see Kevin Bennett, Jody Threat, and the Smash Wrestling champion, Tarek. All this and more happening at the Taste of the Tannery, January 11th, in Kitchener, Ontario. Tickets are on sale right now by going to smash-wrestling.com. And finally, on the Smash Wrestling calendar, as announced earlier in the London Show preview, Smash Wrestling returns to the London Music Hall on February 2nd. More details to come on what this will entail. But February 2nd, mark your calendar, and you'll see Smash Wrestling right back here in London, Ontario. And this has been your Smash Wrestling preview and calendar. Have you checked out our latest Scumbags of Wrestling t-shirts? We have the original Superstars of Wrestling-inspired Scumbags logo, the Raw's War-inspired parody logo, plus now a Survivor Series podcast logo and a few other logos inspired by Brock Lesnar's Suplex City and property of Scumbags of Wrestling t-shirts. All our t-shirts are made by Daryl over at Twisted Tees. You can find him at TwistedTeesMerch.com. All the shirts are printed right there in his shop in Alora and have amazing quality and first-rate technology to produce these amazing t-shirts. All our t-shirts come in a variety of different colors and can be purchased for $25 each. Twisted is known for their great quality and have done work for some of our friends of the podcast, such as Vagrancy Films, Shockstock, Rockin'Con, London Comic-Con, Kill Effect, and the Monsters of Schlock. Or your t-shirts today through me directly by going to our website at scumbags.ca or contact me on Facebook at the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast and find out how you can get your own shirts and show your pride of being a scumbag at any wrestling event you attend. We're proud to be partnered with Twisted Tees on making these t-shirts and we hope you help support us and buy one for yourself. Get our full line of t-shirt designs at twistedmerch.com. And now for some wrestling news. Walter has been signed by the WWE and is expected to join the WWE UK brand. 
Brody King, and PCO have signed deals with Ring of Honor. We're not sure how this will affect bookings that they currently have going forward or not. Former WWE creative writer Kevin Eck has also joined Ring of Honor. Braun Strowman had successful elbow surgery this past Tuesday. It's unknown if he'll be cleared in time to return for the TLC match against Baron Corbin. However, there is an outside chance that he might be able to return in time for his match against Brock Lesnar at the Royal Rumble in January. It just depends, I guess, on how fast he heals. And if he isn't available for TLC, who they'll put in his place. Maybe it could be Bray Wyatt. During WrestleMania weekend next year, NXT TakeOver will be moved to the Friday night, and Hall of Fame will be moved to Saturday. The new Japan Ring of Honor show at MSG will now go unopposed by WWE. The fans who plan to attend WrestleMania 35 this year in the New York area won't have to choose between NXT or the Ring of Honor New Japan show in Madison Square Gardens. They'll be able to take in all that and all the other independent shows that are going to be happening in the region over the whole weekend. Impact Wrestling is looking for a new U.S. network home for their TV shows. They've been having meetings lately with WGN America, Sci-Fi, and True TV. Their current deal with Pop runs out at the end of the month. They need to strike a deal soon to remain in the eyes of American viewers. Here in Canada, we can still watch them on their parent company network, The Fight Network. The annual tribute to the Troop Show will be recorded this Tuesday from Fort Hood in Texas, and an air date has yet to be announced, but will happen soon, most likely for the USA Network. NXT UK will have their first ever takeover special on January 12th, with a TV taping on the 13th, all coming from Blackpool, England, the site of the first UK tournament last year. Scheduled for this show will be Pete Dunne defending the NXT Championship against Joe Coffey. Mustache Mountain defend the UK NXT tag titles against J.D. Drake and Zach Gibson. Rhea Ripley defends her newly won NXT UK Women's Championship against Tony Storm. Dave Massif and Eddie Dennis go one-on-one in a no-DQ match. And Travis Banks faces Jordan Devlin. And that will be on January 12th, the UK Blackpool Takeover Special. According to WWE and Triple H, the tickets for that event sold out in under three hours. NXT have also presented new contracts to some of the major talents of the UK brand. These new contracts will lock the talent into bigger deals with more money but will restrict them at the same time for where they can take bookings, unless they're booked to appear on an affiliate UK brand, they won't be able to take those shows. And any bookings they do take, regardless of where they are, they'll have to make sure that they're not broadcast anywhere, unless it's on a WWE UK show, and not be involved with a talent from Impact Wrestling, Ring of Honor, New Japan, or World of Sport. So it's a little bit more restrictive how things are going and is kind of how things started off 30 plus years ago when WWE started gaining momentum in the United States and signing people 
So it's like they're redoing history now over in the UK. And I guess as part of the result of this sort of action by the WWE, Impact Wrestling has also started pulling their talent from any organizations that are associated with WWE as an upcoming event for Evolve was set to have the Street Profits taking on LAX, but because Evolve is related to WWE, they've been pulled from that event, LAX has been, and Evolve has had to find somebody else to go against the Street Profits. The XFL will be officially announcing their first eight teams when they retake the field in 2020. The announcement is set to stream on December 8th, is known at this moment is that St. Louis, New York, Washington, D.C., Dallas, Houston, Seattle, Los Angeles, and Tampa Bay have all been chosen as their first eight teams, and that announcement will be made official next week. The XFL recently registered a number of domain names for over 21 different cities and three regions, so they could be throwing up a little extra smoke bombs or those are future expansions once things get going, if they are successful after the first year, unlike their first attempt at the XFL over a decade ago. Finally, in wrestling news, Cody has stated that there is a big announcement coming next month. He says that it will be bigger than what uh, we are expecting. This all goes with the speculation that a new wrestling company, the AEW will be launching next year. AEW stands for All Elite Wrestling and is supposed to be associated with Jim Ross, Chris Jericho, the Khan family of the Jacksonville Jaguars, where all the domain names and registered trademarks are linked to their arena, along with the Young Bucks and Cody and all the rest of the members of the Elite. This could be an announcement making the company official, revealing all the players that are officially involved, and also making an announcement of their first date following up from their all-in mega show this past September in Chicago. So next month could be very interesting to see where all the members of the former Bullet Club and the Elite will land once their deals end with New Japan Pro Wrestling and with Ring of Honor. I don't see them being actually a competition for the WWE, but with what WWE presented this past week, if people start turning off their TVs, it's going to give momentum for this all-elite wrestling if it does uh, come to fruition, but it might also lay a, funder, a fire under Vince McMahon to actually start putting out a better product like when WCW was around and actually care. Because it can't always be about the money contracts that USA and Fox Network are going to be doling out next year when they have their TV shows. They do need to maintain their loyal fan base, and especially for all those stockholders when their stock has been going up and down lately and has been highly recommended with all the expansions. So it could be going back up, but you need your shareholders to and fans to actually believe in your product and stay with your product instead of feeding the garbage that was given to us this past Monday. 
The Signature Spot with Chris Toplack is a weekly podcast available every Thursday that covers the world of professional wrestling. It's an easy-to-digest show that ranges from 30 to 40 minutes in length and focuses on show recaps, highlights from the week, industry news and rumors, full event previews along with predictions, topics of the week, and featured guests such as journalists and fellow podcasters. It's a professional yet personable show that's all about connecting with you. To subscribe, head over to youtube.com forward slash the signature spot or listen on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts are available. And to be a part of the conversation, like the signature spot on Facebook. Do you like things a little hot and spicy? Well, come to the first annual Heat Wave Hot Sauce Expo, March 2nd, 2019, at Centennial Hall. Heat Wave Hot Sauce Expo is Southwestern Ontario's home of heat. Enjoy your sauce and spicy food from over 40 international producers. All vendors are providing free samples of their sauces on nachos or pretzels, or you can buy some meaty chicken wings at the show and spice them up however you'd like with hundreds of choices available from our vendors. Fans attending get a totally unique experience with an A's theme motif and atmosphere on the show floor. The event will be licensed with craft beers and spirits available for consumption to pair with your perfect sauce. As well, live podcasts, demonstrations, and competitions for those who wish to test their limits will take place on the heatwave stage. For fans of spice or those just seeking an afternoon of heat, Heatwave is your place to go. Heatwave takes place Saturday, March 2nd at Centennial Hall in London, Ontario, Canada. Tickets available right now. My name is The Muscle, Smash Wrestling's hottest free agent. I toss bodies and wheel hotties, and you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling podcast. Speaking of the hot mess garbage that was presented this week, there wasn't really much to highlight for this week's Raw, as most people have uh, panned it as one of the worst events of 2018, if not one of the top five worst shows of Raw in the history of Raw over 25 years. If you were able to sit through those three hours without having to flip the channel or get up and walk away, Congratulations, but for those who didn't, you didn't really miss too much, and a lot of things didn't really get forward, but here's some of the highlights that did happen. The show was mostly dominated by a lot of appearances by Baron Corbin, as he took up almost a whole hour for himself various times throughout the night. Even with Braun Strowman being injured, he still says that he's going to go through with the match a TLC against Strowman and if Strowman doesn't show up then he'll win by forfeit and become the actual general manager of Raw and he's been starting to call himself the general manager elect of Raw he has Bobby Lashley and Leo Rush and Drew McIntyre by his side as his heavies to do his work and he's also been changing the rules to fit him whenever he has a disadvantage in a match he also appointed Alexa Bliss, who is suffering from a concussion at the moment and hasn't been actually cleared to get back into the ring. He appointed her as somewhat a general manager to oversee the women's division. Plus, of course, we had our main event with the God knows how many a time 
of seeing Finn Balor and Baron Corbin appear on a show against each other. There was a match for the tag team titles with the Authors of Pain taking on Chad Gable and Bobby Roode. And during that match, you had Drake Maverick steal Bobby Roode's robe, head to the back, and did another bathroom scene with him taking off the robe, stuffing it down a toilet, and actually peeing on it. So the potty humor of Vince McMahon's continues, and it's going to continue with Drake Maverick and Bobby Roode. Ronda Rousey claimed that Nia Jax's punch to Becky Lynch's face changed the history of the world. She was then confronted by Jax and Tamina, and there was about to be a fight where Natalia came for the rescue, but then she was attacked by the riot squad and beat down, and Ronda came to her rescue, and nothing actually happened with Nia and Tamina in the ring. However, this Monday night, Nia and Tamina will actually team together to go against the team of Ronda Rousey and Natalia. Just have to find out how they're going to be able to keep the Riot Squad away from that match. We had a segment of Dean Ambrose at a medical facility, because we can't use the word hospital, getting his flu shot because he was allergic to the people in Milwaukee and didn't want to go there. So he got a shot in the arm, and then he pulled down his pants and got a shot in the hip, and... Yeah, he just totally didn't appear on the show. Yeah, he did talk about his upcoming match at the TLC pay-per-view for the Intercontinental title against his former Shield mate, Seth Rollins. Once again, they asked Renee what was going on with Dean, and she refused to actually give any information because she claims that she doesn't know anything about what's going on, yet they still also say that the fact that they live together because they're married, and so it makes it kind of hard to believe, and they have the announcers going after her for this information. In a way, if they're not going to have Renee standing by Dean Ambrose and his decision because she's married to him, they should find some way of having it that maybe since this turn of attitude, Dean is trying to find himself and find his direction and that he hasn't been able to be at home to see Renee. And so that's why she doesn't know what's going on, but they have to stop going to her to ask what's going on without getting any answers. Because one way or another, if she answers, she could be considered a heel by standing by her man. But if they found a way of making her still neutral The only way to do it would be to have it that she doesn't see her husband to know what's actually going through his head. Of course, with Alexa Bliss now being put in a power position officially by Baron Corbin and overseeing the women of Raw, she had to take it upon herself to be the heel general manager and bully some of her uh, talent that she's overseeing, even though she's still technically an active roster member. But she set up this forum for Sasha and Bailey to take questions from the audience and even Bailey questioned it and didn't want it to seem like another this is your life uh, BS skit that they had a couple years ago and Sasha and Bailey did it and sat there and had to take a question from an obvious plant only to get attacked by other women from the raw roster including Dana Brooke 
who for whatever reason decided to attack them and be on their side with no explanation of what's going on. Yet fans saw two days earlier at Starcade that she was part of a eight-woman tag on the same side as Bailey and Sasha, and now she's beating them down. Hopefully they get some continuity this week and figure out why she actually did that. Maybe Alexa offered her something. Who knows, but it doesn't make any sense. Lashley ended up beating Elias, who seems to be obviously on the other side of the Baron Corbin equation of who's on Baron's side, who's against him. And, of course, Baron had to change the rules just to mix things up and screw Elias over more. The Revival are getting embarrassed by the Lucha House Party, who are instituting Lucha Libre Lucha House Party rules where all three members can actually be involved without even having to tag out. And so they're embarrassing the Revival, who deserve way better than what they're getting on Raw. Did anybody actually realize that Nohei Jose is still on the roster? He fell flatter and faster than even Adam Rose, which unfortunately has the same stick. And he went against Jinder Mahal, and Jinder had the Singh brothers at ringside, but it totally fell flat. The only saving grace from Monday night was the return of the Open Challenge with Seth Rollins. Even though, of course, it was another match with Dolph Ziggler, these two seemed to bring out the best of themselves and still put on great matches, even though we've seen it a bunch of times over the last four months. The next night, SmackDown fared way better than Raw. Not that there was much competition to be able to do that. The show started off with Becky Lynch in the ring being cleared to participate in the first ever women's TLC match at TLC pay-per-view. And Paige said that she'll be defending against Charlotte Flair. Of course, this has happened a lot of times. And the ladies of SmackDown decided to come out and complain that why is it always those two? So... There was a battle royal made that later on in the evening, the winner of it would make it a triple threat match for the SmackDown Women's Championship in a TLC match. Of course, that went down to Sonya Deville and Asuka in the final two, and Asuka ended up winning, making it Asuka versus Charlotte versus Becky Lynch for the SmackDown Women's Championship at TLC. The Bar also issued their own open challenge. However, they weren't going to put the tag team titles on the line. The Usos ended up accepting the challenge, and the Usos defeated The Bar. AJ Styles returned to SmackDown two weeks after losing his WWE Championship to the newly heel Dana Bryan. Even the mention of his name drew a huge pop from the fans who still aren't going to buy him as a heel, much like how they didn't buy Becky Lynch as a heel. Styles talked about Brian turning heel on him to win the WWE Championship, and they showed a video of the loss and the promo from last week with Daniel Bryan. And Styles criticized Brian for missing this week's show and even last week's events, and told him to show up at TLC where he will regain his title. Shinsuke Nakamura and Rusev went to a no contest as Nakamura attacked Rusev before he could even get his shirt off and have the match. So they're amping up to have a U.S. title match at TLC. Michael Cole brought out Jeff Hardy 
to celebrate 20 years of being with the WWE. So apparently the four years before 1998, from 94 to 98, when he was there with Matt, doing enhancement matches, didn't exist. Plus, the years he was away from WWE to be at TNA didn't exist, and he was actually in WWE at the time. Who knows? But they're crediting him for 20 years of being with the WWE, and they showed a video package with a tribute to him, and afterwards he cut a promo thanking the fans and vowing that this is not a retirement speech and that he's going to be going forward and happy that the fans are with him on this journey of his, and it was interrupted by Samoa Joe. Joe made jokes about Hardy's history and said it's probably a bad idea to have bottles of champagne around, and that Joe was also happy that there was a video shown for Jeff because he probably doesn't even remember his career because he was so messed up. Jeff said that he was all about making moments in WWE and offered to do just that against Joe on Tuesday night. Joe obviously left, and Jeff Hardy celebrated with the fans and thanked everybody around ringside before leaving. Kofi Kingston got a rare singles victory over The Miz, and Miz went backstage and was looking for his tag team partner, Shane McMahon, wondering what happened with them. Randy Orton addressed his attack on Rey Mysterio, where he took off his mask, and the Viper called the experience euphoric, insisting he doesn't care about the history or prestige of the mask. He vowed to make Mysterio the latest in his long line of victims. Ray, of course, came out and interrupted and rushed to the ring, and he still was wearing a neck brace, even though he had the same thing done to him that Ronda Rousey had done to her by Charlotte, and Ronda's not wearing a neck brace, but he is, thanks to Randy Orton. Confusing. No continuity there. He endured an assault at the hands of uh, Randy, but fought back and landed uh, two 619s. Orton got back and delivered uh, two draping DDTs and finished up by wrapping a chair around Ray's neck again, sending him into the steel steps. The fans, of course, booed as officials checked on Ray Mysterio. I see this coming up for some sort of mask versus either hair or career involving Ray Mysterio and Randy Orton. Over with the NXT brands, Lars Sullivan beat Keith Lee in a battle of the Bulls, and Sullivan is due to come up to the main roster soon. They just haven't established which roster he's going to be on, whether it's SmackDown or Raw, but ideally because of his size and the size of the SmackDown roster, he should be going to the blue brand. And then, of course, with the NXT UK division, they crowned their first ever women's champion, where Rhea Ripley and Tony Storm faced off in the finals of the tournament, and Ripley ended up getting the victory. Of course, those two ladies are going to probably end up meeting up at the Blackpool Takeover event next month. And so those are your highlights for this week on uh, WWE TV. Canada's original and best horror weekend, Shockstock, the all-nighter freighter, comes to London, Ramada in April 26th to the 28th.
already announced for the event is Sleazy P. Martini of Guar, and he's coming to Shockstock 2019. So you want to meet the manager with the mostest, you're going to get your wish. The Art of Clown, David Howard Thorne, makes his way to Shockstock. Don't you dare miss it. April 26th to the 28th, 2019, London, Ontario, the Ramada Inn, it's Shockstock. Hello, do you or someone you know have a business that you'd love to have advertised here on our podcast? Well, give me a shout at our email address, scumbagswrestling at gmail.com, and let us know how we can help you advertise to the listeners of this podcast. We'll give your business a shout out, including information on how people can reach out to you and information on your services. Jody Thread, and you're listening to Scumbags Podcast. And now, part four of the Enzo Amore Comic Con panel from London Comic Con this past October 27th. I, I, I can forgive you, but I can never forget, right? 
And I do believe that. I, I, I have long forgiven Cass. I have no ill feelings towards what happened that day, animosity, and if anything, I feel bad for him because in that moment, I had invested so much money in a guy, uh, I thought to myself in business that if you hobble out of this arena with a torn ACL, you're made. Every, everything that we've ever done to this point is in a moment. And you in my business have to be able to recognize when that moment is. And you may never know when it is until it hits you. And it just so happens that it was for Triple H proven he was that tough guy that you could put the title on. And if you put him out in WrestleMania in the first five minutes of the match and he tore his quad, he was still gonna finish the match because there's 45 more minutes and there's 80,000 fans going nuts. And Vince McMahon needs to know his money and his investment is safe, all right? That's my business. So I looked at a guy who I've invested my whole life and career in, an SAWFT soft bro, let's spell that out. And you could have been a damn monster in a moment and made your career so that when you came back, they pushed you towards a title. They pushed me, I already have a title. Now we're really making money for the rest of our lives in this business. Instead, things did boil out the way that they did, and uh, I'm not reluctant to say, like, you know, that, that I, I regret, uh, you know, giving him a mouthful and tweeting at him, and, um, but that's who I am as a human, you see. I never talk shit about anybody, and that's why I drove alone. In the wrestling business, you drive around in a car, and you talk about your match, or you talk about other people and you bury them and this, that, or the other. When I said bada boom, realest guy in the room, how you doing? The people can feel what's real. You can't fool everyone every week. You cannot fool them. You could tell when I said something, I believed it. And because I believed it, you believed it. And it was because I was not telling a lie. Bada boom, realest guy in the room. You can hate me, but I'm never gonna lie to your face. I'm never gonna politic. And I didn't have to kiss anyone's ass to get here right now. Because the first time I was ever handed a microphone on TV, John Cena asked me to come out in the ring with him. I spelled out S-A-W-F-T soft. He said, what did you just say? And he repeated it for me. Okay, S-A-W-F-T soft. The whole crowd in Orlando says it. The next week, I'm sitting back backstage, not booked for a match at NXT. And the whole crowd, the whole four hour show is going, soup, 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 soup. They had no choice but to put me on TV. They had no choice. So much so that they put me in the dark seg after TV with a microphone when the show was over against Ryback. I never had to kiss anyone's ass and I didn't even know what the hell was going on. I just went out there and did my little deal and didn't realize what was going on and everybody's repeating this and oh my God, this is great. I don't know, I, I, I just, I, it, was, it was a weird, weird situation that will, was once in a lifetime and can never happen again. I mean, if John Cena wasn't there that day that I debuted, and he didn't ask me to come out in the ring, and I didn't spell out soft, I wouldn't be here, right? I was told I was gonna be fired a week before that happened. So, you know, like, I, I, I just, I can't dictate the way that things happened and where I ended up, but I have faith that this is all a plan. Somebody's pulling strings, I don't know who Geppetto is, but I'm blessed. And I, I'm walking around with a halo, you don't think that I'm blessed. I'm standing right here, right? Like, hey, hey, you know what's crazy, actually? You know, yesterday was the best day of my life. Yeah, 
You want to believe what happened? You want to know what happened? Tell you what happened. I woke up today, today's better than yesterday. Can't even believe it. True shit. If you walk into every day of your life saying, you know, today's the best day of my life, you say that enough times, you say that enough times, you believe it. And when you believe it, other people believe it. This is that confidence contagious thing I spoke about. You manifest your own life, you put the words out into the atmosphere, and I said it, I'm the realest guy in the room, how you doing? Because I was real, and I didn't talk about other people behind their back. So when I drove alone, I, I talked to myself, because I write music. I'm a rapper, right? When you're rapping, what are you talking about? You're manifesting, right? You're just saying something out loud so many times, because you're rehearsing it over and over again, that it becomes words, that go out into the world and then all of a sudden your thoughts are words, your words become actions and the distance between dreams and reality is action. So I uh, just wonder, do you follow the current product now? And the second part is, do you feel when you were there anybody on the roster, NXT or WWE was underutilized? Absolutely, I can go down that wormhole, underutilize people and things like that if you wanted to. Um, as far as, uh, what was the first question? There was. You follow it now. Do I follow it now? I stopped watching wrestling uh, about five months into my debut on the main roster in 2016. I never watched my WrestleMania match, like I said. I never watched what I did. And the only time I watched something is if somebody asked me if something happened or if I did something bad. Uh, I thought the best way for me to stay fresh in my mind was to extend when I stepped away from it, to focus on the other things. And when you get knocked out cold on TV, like I did, and your mother's crying, and people think you're dead, you start putting your eggs in a different basket, right? That there, that, that week you wake up, and you go, to, oh wait, this wrestling thing can end tomorrow. What am I gonna do next? So, while I was a wrestler on the road, and other people sat in the locker room, you heard that I wasn't in the locker room, that was a choice. I didn't sit in the locker room, that was a work, but I didn't sit in the locker room because I was writing my music. So if we're sitting in the locker room, what do we do? We just banter, we just shoot the shit. It's locker room, right? Locker room talk. Well, to me, that was valuable time that was wasted. Four or five hours before a show starts, I'm locking myself in a closet with headphones on, listening to beats and writing music, and all of that music that I'm writing, if I write 100, 200, 300, 400 pages in a couple weeks, I guarantee you I pull at least 20 pages of one-liners and use them on TV in the WWE. So I was a writer, and I wrote more than the writing staff did there. I don't watch anything. I don't watch wrestling. And I really, really, really got into wrestling in 2015, and I watched the NWA from 1978 to like 1984, every episode that aired. So I like watched it in sequence, Dusty Rhodes and Ric Flair, the best promos that were ever cut in our business, back then by Ric Flair. And you see those old NWA shades, the title, you know, dude, on fire. I spent more money on spilled liquor. You know you didn't write that down. I'm a writer. I'll be the first one to type. I'm a writer. Rick wasn't writing that shit he was living in. All right, folks, we got time for one last question for Enzo. Does anybody have one last question? Back. Back. 
with your new record um, and just uh, producing and everything, what uh, what kind of method do you go through to uh, get to that? Um, you say to, to that mutual ground where you can just produce your own music and whatnot. Repeat that. Yeah, so he's asking with um, with the new record coming out, what what methods did you use to get to to where you're at now with the album? All right, so uh, since we got some gears here, uh, you know, basically I had a buddy named Spiff TV who directed Drake's music videos and Drake and French Montana. Because of what I did in wrestling with the Jordans and the swag and the clothes I wore, I garnered a lot of eyes that were uh, from a niche audience and the hip hop eccentric crowd. Uh, and through that gathering of people and a network. Work, I was able to string together uh, a bunch of beats and open up a record label. So I opened up a record label, Real One Records, two years ago, uh, when I, after I got the concussion. I bought a bunch of beats from Grammy-nominated producers and spent about 200 grand on all the music, and then I just put them away for a rainy day, and as the time ticked on, I would go into my beat library of music, and I would write. And there's songs on this album that's coming out. I think it's special to me because it's all written by me, all produced by me, and the only person that was in the studio was the person hitting the record button with me. So no one else is involved in the making of this music at all in any shape or form. So it is completely real and organic to what I was going through at the time. And I have a timeline of the music and when I wrote it, and where I was at in the world and where I was wrestling and what storylines I was going through. And I have a song on there uh, called King. It's an intro. And when you listen to King, if you listen to the intro, it's going to sound like I wrote this song after I was fired, where I wrote it before I got fired. And it sounds like a manifestation of getting fired. Uh, the other songs on the album, I wrote Little Live a Little Live a Little Laugh a Lot. I have a song on there. Someone else is grateful with less than what you got. Fear have not, live a little, laugh a lot. Right? Sounds a lot crazier than that, but um, I wrote that song while me and Neville were coming back from Braun Strowman's parents' house in North Carolina. No, 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 in uh, his, his Midwestern family uh, in Kentucky. Uh, me and Neville had the most beautiful drive. It was sunny outside. We were feeling great and I wrote that song So that song means something to me uh, That day I wrote a song called house in the hills uh, It's actually called the realist outro. So it's the last song on the album And this song is significant because I was forced to write it I didn't have a choice in the matter because when I showed up to work at Monday Night Raw in Anaheim, California, I was handed a script and the only words on it were basically, bada boom, realest guy in the room, how you doing? And then I read the script and Mike The Miz was about to air me out and put all my dirty laundry on camera and they were going to turn me heel, right? But they didn't tell me they were turning me heel. The only thing they told me, the guy who writes his own script every week, was you ain't saying shit on that microphone. You ain't writing, and if you want to keep your job, you better not say anything. So I was so mad that I was about to quit. I was walking backstage, fired up, literally about to quit. I mean, I'm not joking, I was this close to quitting. 
I knew that I was going to get aired out, and, I, and I'm the best on the microphone in the freaking business, and you're not letting me say something back? I'll freestyle something on this guy out here based on the chance of the crowd. That's how confident I feel you won't let me. I was so mad. So what happened? We go through the main event that night. It was when uh, Miz was pregnant with his wife, and, and, and I was laying in the ring, and I said, you need to ask that question, uh, not who's your daddy, it's, uh, not how you doing, it's who's your daddy, to, to Maurice. So I get on a chopper that night, directly after Raw, dropped us off. Uh, we were in the main event, so we had to go to New Zealand that night. So I get on a chopper from Raw, and it drops us off on the runway in LAX. From LAX, I was flying to New Zealand, and I was so mad that I couldn't write on TV that night that I wrote this song because I had so much energy and there was so much I wanted to get out that I wrote this song that's now titled The Realest Outro on my album, uh, House in the Hills. And a few lyrics in the song I'll give you right now. I say, uh, you know, uh, Muscles Marinara, I'm a boss. I'm the CEO, the manager, the COO, the janitor. IRS can kiss my ass, bitch, I'll write that off. All right? because it's true. I own the rights to every single thing that I did, which most people in records and in music will tell you is impossible to do. But if Vince McMahon is investing more money in Enzo Amore than any other pro wrestler in the WWE, and that's the smartest man I know, and the best businessman I know, I'd be stupid not to invest the little money he's given me back into myself. And he respected that, and that's why we we're going to do the music together. But in order to have that conversation with Vince McMahon, you have to own all the music. So that's what I did. I took the wrestling money, and I dumped it into my music. And because of great fans, I'm blessed to have that music is going to buy my parents the house that I couldn't get while I was a pro wrestler in the WWE. All right, ladies and gentlemen, one more time, let's thank Enzo. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Brent Money Banks, and you are listening to Scumbags of Wrestling. Scumbags is money. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Scumbags of Wrestling podcast. Next week, I'll have results from tonight's Control-Alt-Delete event from Smash Wrestling, and more news from the WWE and the rest of the wrestling world. You can join me on our Facebook page, whether it's the Scumbags of Wrestling podcast or the Scumbags Wrestling group page. You can find me on Twitter, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Tune in next week. Until then, have a great one. Granted, I understand it's essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night. <laughs> <laughs>